Hi, everyone, and welcome to the May 28th, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today has been leading the fight against COVID-19 for one of the world's biggest automotive suppliers. In response to the deadly virus, he dusted off his company's pandemic playbook. Yes, they had one, just in case, and even helped set up vaccination sites for the supplier staff in Ontario. We'll find out what it's like fighting COVID-19, what went right, and where the challenges are when I speak with Kelly Harbridge, the Vice President of People and Associate General Counsel at Magna International, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Kelly, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Hey, thanks, Greg. Uh, nice to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. Uh, before we get into what's happening now at Magna, let's go back 14, 18 months maybe. Um, how prepared was Magna for a pandemic of this magnitude? I just wonder what the initial response and reaction was to, to this global pandemic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, I don't think any uh, any company can say they were fully prepared for anything of this magnitude, although c- compared to a lot of other organizations, we actually did have an infectious disease emergency protocol in place and a pandemic protocol in terms of a framework response uh, that set up emergency committees and emergency response teams, et cetera, uh, largely as a carryover from the previous uh, SARS pandemic about a decade earlier. So we we kind of started to dust off that playbook in terms of how to respond and set up our emergency response teams globally. So at least we had the the basic plan and the infrastructure in place, and then everything has sort of grown from there. How handy was it having that previous playbook? It was really helpful initially. I mean, we've grown a lot of our policies and procedures from that, but at least in terms of early days, it gave some confidence and comfort to the organization that we could activate our pandemic plan and there was already an established uh, steering team and emergency committees in place. Uh, and we began having our, uh, our daily uh, uh, emergency calls with action items and, and directions and follow-ups and protocols being issued from there. So I think it allowed us to get off on a strong footing right from the get-go uh, without having to spend day, precious days and weeks in the early the early uh, days of this pandemic, reinventing the infrastructure and the mechanics as to how we were going to respond. So it, it put us in a in a proactive position right from the get-go to actually move into uh, solutions-oriented approaches for our workplaces and our people, as opposed to uh, dithering on infrastructure and who does what. I remember when the pandemic first started and we could watch from our homes here in Canada and see how other countries were reacting. Some of them horrible scenes from Europe where victims were being transported by truck to hospitals and morgues. Um, Magna is a global company. So I I wonder, sitting in your shoes, did you watch the response elsewhere in your factories there and change it along the way as it moved through China, through Europe and arrived in North America? Did things change along the way because you could see what worked and didn't work and see what was on the horizon? Yeah, very much so. And that's another uh, really insightful question. Uh, Because we're in 27 countries globally with a large presence in Asia, um, we were dealing with this uh, as of January, really, with the early days of the pandemic as it hit uh, uh, the Wuhan province. 
and uh, cascaded through a number of our facilities in that region with that region under lockdown, uh, eventually spreading throughout Asia and then into, I think, northern Italy was sort of the first area in Europe to be hit. And we had four or five facilities in northern Italy. So what began as a, a regional epidemic that we were dealing with on a local level began to spread uh, internationally. And some of our early responses in terms of lockdown protocols and our uh, industrial hygiene and workplace protocols, how to move employees to uh, lay off work from home strategies, things of that nature, grew out of Asia uh, got refined in Europe, and then suddenly, you know, the uh, the proverbial, uh, you know, you know what hit the fan once uh, it kind of spread <laughs> into uh, North America, uh, and suddenly, you know, on, at the drop of a hat, all of the OEMs shut their plants at once, and the entire industry came to a screeching halt. But by that point, a lot of our infrastructure and initial planning on how to respond had uh, started to evolve and grow out of our early days of dealing with this in both China and parts of Europe. Are are you surprised we're still in this situation, having seen what you've seen and and seen it globally in other places? Are you surprised that Ontario in particular and Canada to, to some degree is still in a third wave or at least the end of a third wave? Does that surprise you or was this expected? Um, I think it surprised everybody. I think the variants in particular came out of left field and people weren't really anticipating that we'd be dealing with uh, additional incarnations of this, of this virus uh, as in terms of more infectious variants that maybe the, 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 the vaccines might have a challenge with. Um, surprised, disappointed, I think, in terms of the the lack of degree that we're seeing in terms of international cooperation and coordination. I think globally, we all would have been much further ahead of this, uh, but for the fact that this has become somewhat politicized internationally, and uh, a lot of our international governmental functions and, and, and the level of coordination that I think a lot of us assumed might have been there through agencies like the World Health Organization, maybe haven't been as effective as we would have hoped in terms of containing this in a more coordinated way. And we've really been left with a patchwork quilt of not only country-specific responses, but even when you break it down on the sub-national level to the state and provincial level, um, it's become compartmentalized and siloed very much locally, which has allowed this virus, I think, to keep rebounding uh, uh, instead of you know, uh, uh, had it have been a more coordinated, consistent approach globally. Is that the biggest challenge for you? And if it is, do you try and plan based on, I guess, the the worst hit areas and then apply that plan even to the, the best prepared um, areas? I'm just wondering, in your shoes, how difficult is that? And is it a blanket procedure and plan across the globe? Or do you have to adapt and adjust to each region, um, even if it is subnational, as you mentioned? So at least in terms of our workplace safety protocols and our Smart Start playbook, we very much did try to take a consistent global approach in how we applied that playbook in terms of uh, safeguarding the health and safety of our people. The standards we put in place for things like PPE, workplace social distancing, industrial hygiene, all the stuff that we've all come to 
no one expect, I think, in terms of uh, daily medical screens, et cetera. Uh, obviously, there was some room for some local nuances on a state-by-state -state basis if local laws differed significantly from our playbook. Um, and there were things like the, the, the really baffling things to track and manage were the travel restrictions and border restrictions, uh, because they seemed to change in a fluid way almost daily in terms of where you could go, what the quarantine requirements were, what travel documentation, et cetera. So there was some really challenging pieces that we had to bob and weave on almost a daily basis with updates on from a policy perspective. But the core, I guess the three core pillars of our strategy have been largely global in nature. The Smart Start Playbook, as I said, with our COVID safety protocols. The second pillar of our strategy that I think we're really proud that we put in place early on since last November was reliance on the rapid antigen testing. We put that in place globally uh, for all of our workplaces. We were a firm believer in that proactive testing with the 15 minute uh, rapid antigen test that we've tied to our uh, daily medical screens as a way of uh, safeguarding our employees and uh, have, uh, outbreak uh, prevention and management. So that's been a key pillar of our response. And now more recently kind of uh, uh, pivoting that into uh, our vaccination program. So I think those are the three primary pillars of our, our strategy, largely global in nature, as consistent as we can make it, but obviously room for local nuances where we need to. You mentioned the vaccination program, and I wanted to ask about that. Um, we've been seeing recently Magna offering its Canadian employees the chance to get vaccinated. Can you explain the program here in Canada, mainly in Ontario, I think, just the details about it and how that works and how it came together? Yeah, you know, it's really, uh, we're really proud of what our medical teams and Dr. Benji and uh, his medical team have been doing on the vaccination front. And I would note, uh, Greg, it's it's not even just unique to Canada. We, we took the position globally as part of our vaccination statement that uh, uh, to our employees that we were going to work towards uh, partnering where we could with local governments and public health authorities all over the world and all the jurisdictions that we operate in, uh, in terms of trying to uh, uh, create uh, opportunities for our employees and their families to get vaccinated in a way that was convenient to them uh, and in a, in, a, in a safe and secure environment. Uh, we've taken the position that vaccines are optional in nature, but we've done what we can to uh, combat uh, misinformation and vaccine hesitancy with uh, information, uh, educational material, allowing our employees to make an informed decision for themselves and their families, and working with those local public health authorities where we can to uh, create those, uh, those vaccination clinic opportunities. You know, going back several weeks ago, uh, or even a couple of months or more, uh, both our medical department as well as government affairs and legal, um, we were building relationships with a number of these local public health units in anticipation of wanting to establish vaccine clinics for our employees if and when the local supply became available. And to the extent that we uh, needed to stand those clinics up, build them by the uh, cold chain infrastructure for the vaccine storage, the equipment, retain the medical staff and the nurses, we were fully prepared to create that vaccination infrastructure at our cost in terms of setting it up and delivering it not only to our employees and their family members, 
and making that offer to many of the public health units here in Ontario. As a good corporate citizen, obviously, to try and collaborate and support uh, the public health units where we could. What's the uh, uptake from the employees been like? Has it uh, met your expectations, exceeded them, um, a high percentage of them getting vaccinated? I just wonder what the response has been. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really positive so far. Now we've been up and running for about uh, two weeks in Peel. Um, our, you know, I would note that the uh, the other area that we've seen a good breakthrough is Guelph Guelph Public Health. We just opened our our public health uh, sponsored uh, vaccination clinic in Guelph this week. It's off to a good start. So Peel and, and Guelph have been real success stories. Uh, York Region is waiting. Uh, we've built the clinic in York Region uh, using the uh, arena in King City as a mass vaccination hub for our 15 facilities in York Region. We have almost 10,000 people in York Region uh, that we'd like to uh, get through that uh, mass vaccination site. So we're waiting on vaccine supply for York Region. So those have been kind of the, the real focal points where we've got some success stories. I think the importance of these these workplace clinics is, especially in manufacturing, warehousing, distribution, we're often dealing with some uh, um, vulnerable communities, multi-generational households. A lot of these employees are from families that are new to Canada. With uh, uh, Sometimes there's language barriers in terms of communicating their ability to get out to the regular community-based public health clinics. They're comfortable coming to something sponsored by their employer. And these have generally been the congregate work settings where we've seen uh, outbreaks across manufacturing. Um, and I think the real, the real uh, beauty of these uh, workplace clinics is that they allow, they allow us to access uh, difficult-to-reach demographics and communities in a way where these people are, are trusting, they bring their entire family to the clinic in terms of their children, the grandparents all living in the same home. And uh, I, think, I think it's been an underutilized strategy from a public health perspective in terms of meeting the needs of these communities and protecting these frontline essential workers. We've been really pleased with the, uh, the response in the couple of weeks we've been running in Peel. We've been doing several hundred a week out of our Brampton clinic, uh, doing several hundred this, this week as well in Guelph. Um, and I would hope that other public health units across Ontario look at what Peel and Guelph are doing as a really creative and innovative strategy in terms of leveraging the resources of large private sector employers like Magna that want to step up and help and do the right thing. Um, and take advantage of those resources, get the vaccines to the people who need the most, especially as we head into looking at our strategy for second doses. Like, we're not out of the woods yet. And um, um, as we move through the summer and into the autumn months, there's a, a high likelihood we're going to see a fourth wave in the fall. And how quickly we roll out second doses and to whom from a strategic perspective, is going to be critical to Ontario's ability to uh, fend off a fourth wave in the autumn. Kelly, I agree. I, I, I had said to friends and colleagues that um, the private sector really has a role to play in this, and I think the private sector wants to play a role in this, and it's nice to see Magna uh, getting sh- at least helping get shots in arms to get us back to normal a little more quickly. Um, Kelly, I appreciate you being on the podcast this week. It was a great chat. Um, 
great initiative by Magna. I appreciate it. Great. We really appreciate uh, joining you today, Greg. It's been nice chatting with you. We reached Kelly at his home office in King Township, Ontario, just north of Toronto. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the Canada Conversations tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.